Welcome back to the Hit Factor. We've got uh, the whole crew back on, and match season has started. We are back shooting matches again, and we had the whole crew out at the uh, Ozarks match in Billings, Missouri. Is Missouri the show me state? Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, Missouri's weird. Um, Best state in the union. We're just all going to sit here real awkwardly after Jared says nonsense like that. <laughs> uh, so the important part is is that is that I won the match. I won the important part of the match. Uh, we got to the last That's stage. Right, the raw speed challenge. It was the last stage. We had a speed shoot and fastest time won. And Jared or Jeff shot it, and it was kind of like Jeff is kind of slow. Then Jared shot it, and it was yeah point zero five faster than Jeff. Uh, and then I let it rip. I had to make up. They shot it clean. I had to make up on still, and was still like half a second faster. Uh, so it was. So I win. So like, yeah, I'm the best shooter on the podcast. We did. That's yeah. That's, and we had decided that the winner takes all on the raw speed on the last stage. Yeah. That's true. That's right, uh, but I think Jeremy. Was I don't know. The- I don't know what takes all was, but oh, it's just the title of the best shooter. And then I, th- I th- oh, okay. I think Jeremy was the only one actually going for raw speed because I knew the match between me and Jeff were still really close. So I was trying to win the match. I wasn't doing anything stupid. I mean, I shot it. I only had yeah, one Charlie. So that's kind of where I was at. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's I was just that's like, fine if y'all are scared. I, mean, I want to go fast, scared, but, but yeah, I would have appreciated. I, I was uh, in the same boat as Jared. Though. Like I wanted to go fast, but it was like I knew that it was really close, and I didn't know if I was up or down, and I didn't want to like tank it all right there. <laughs> I could have really used like a mic or a no shoot out of you, though. Yeah, that would have done it. All right, so to clue the the listeners in on uh, where where this is at, so that was the last stage of the match. The match ended up, I think Jeff won by three points, like three match points. Is that right? Uh, I think it was like two point seven or something. It was pretty close. So three match points. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, and that came down to that stage. I think. I mean, I think Jared gained like one match point. Of, on him on that stage because Jared I think was clean and Jeff had one Charlie I think I gained um, I gained two and a half match points on him on that stage two and a half on that stage so I mean it was so that that's really kind of the the crux of this is that Jeff and Jared had an extremely close match extremely close finish um, and uh, my prediction was wrong I picked Jared. And you know, sometimes you pick the wrong horse and you lose money and and I bet on the wrong horse. That's I thought, you know, Jeff Jared, you know, he's a thoroughbred. Like you just look at him, just like, dude, that guy's gotta just crush. And so like I picked him and the scrawny horse in the stall next to him just kinda got out in front and eked it out. Barely. Uh so how was that for so Jeff, basically, you had the lead for the whole match, basically. Oh, no. I, I won the first stage between us by, like, 0.01 oh, hit yeah, factor. That's right. So it was, like, a tenth of a point. 
Okay, so after the and then Jeff had a 32 point lead after the second stage. Uh and then and basically it, you know it's funny this is Jeff won the match, but I almost feel like Jared walks away feeling better about his match. Is that I yeah. Jeff's kind of shaking his head because because Jeff had like a 32 point lead after stage 2 and then basically Jared just closed the gap the whole rest of the match is what it, I mean, that was kind of what I was yeah. observing. And like, if it felt like yeah. if there were like a couple more stages then Jared probably would have overtaken him at that point. Hard to say. All right. So I'll, I'll kind of give, uh, I'll give my, my perspective of, of the whole day and then I'll let Jared kind of tell how he felt about the whole day. Uh, so for me, yeah, uh, I was feeling real good at the beginning of the day, especially after, stage the second stage that we shot which was the one where i took a big lead i think uh jared ended up with a a mic or two on on that friggin 20 yard zebra and uh so i took the lead the 25 there. yard there were two 25 yard zebras yeah it, it was it was a very difficult stage uh and so after that from that point forward uh like there was a, there was a couple of stages where we were uh close i think maybe like one or two other stages where i was actually ahead of jared and the rest of them he took and he won the most stages i won two stages like in production uh and then jared won all but another two so like me and another guy split four and then jared won the rest i think out of 12 um so yeah i mean jared was just closing the gap all day he was shooting better than i was all day and he just basically ran out of stages to to completely close the gap among other things i mean there were there were other issues in the match as well but uh yeah jared was he was out shooting me all day basically uh but that's what it came down to that that second stage where i got I got the lead basically because Jared shot better than I did on pretty much every other stage. And that was frustrating, right? Like that, that frustrates me to like take a lead and then just watch it like slip away all day long. It's like, there was nothing I could do. I just, I was shooting good. Like I wasn't, I wasn't giving away points really, but he was just like either half a second faster or shot like a couple points better every stage. And that's just how it was all yeah, day. Yeah, but I mean, I think, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, Jared, you know, walking with eight stage wins versus your two, but at the same time, like you got a lead and then you didn't make any big mistakes. So like, that's pretty, I mean, that's to how to hold that lead for 10 stages and not make any big mistakes is pretty i mean that's there's something to say about that too like that's not a lot of people can do that yeah it's certainly a good position to be in where you've already got the lead because you don't have to try to do anything you just have to shoot like i mean i had a fairly good idea where the score was as we was going and we went back up the hill and then i had to start pushing a little bit on stuff like take a little bit riskier stage plan be a little bit more aggressive because i was running out of stages to make up the points yeah. Yeah. So Jared, how did how did how was your perspective on your match? 
Uh, so I, I started out pretty good. I mean, it was a the sta- the two stages we started on had some very hard shooting. The first one went fine. I beat Jeff by just a little bit. Uh, it, I had to reshoot it because a plate rack does what plate racks do, and you shoot one plate and a different one falls. And then, uh, but I still. F- uh, on the reshoot went well. Uh, the reshoot was better than the original stage, so it was a it was a good reshoot for me. And then on the next stage, there was on the twenty five yard zebra. I don't think it was twenty five. I stepped it off at twenty three from the front of the shooting box. Um, basically, I called two good two good shots on it. And twenty four <laughs> yards. Sorry, there's nice to make that correction. Twenty four Sasquatch steps. So I'm going to take that as twenty three. No, that was from the front of the shooting boxes. You were shooting behind that. Okay. So 24 Sasquatch steps. I'm going to take that as 25 yards. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I called two good shots on it. Um, unfortunately, they were just, they were both about a quarter inch into the black. Uh, so just barely bad. I should have, I should have made a third shot. I, I planned to shoot three on that target unless I felt good on the first two. Felt good on the first two. Unfortunately, they were just a little off. Um, so that that's what put me in a pretty big hole on the start. So I I knew me and Jeff would be pretty close, um, but going I think uh, leaving that stage we were like somewhere around thirty two points different. So pretty big hole to dig out of, um, and then the the rest of the match like I shot the stages very well. Uh, the I think the only two stages I gave any points up on him was uh, two short courses. Uh, shot one of them really well, but just pushed, just pulled off the target too quick and threw a, a mic on it. Time was good though, and hits were good. And Jeff dropped a bunch of Charlies and Deltas on it, so it wasn't too much for points given up there. And then there was uh, another short course where the another skunk target, zebra target, whatever you want to call it, at probably twelve yards, maybe. I don't know. I called the first two shots. I called the first shot bad, and the second shot iffy. So I made up two more. I get down there, there's three alphas, like probably an inch and a half group in the center of the target. And the one I called bad was right on the edge, so it was four alphas. So I gave up uh, probably a second and a half of time on that, which was a little bit of points, but the rest of the hits were good. Uh, But what I was happy was all the field courses. Um, I've pretty much beaten Jeff on all of them. So we were shooting very similar times. Uh, but I was just shooting better points. I think there was maybe two field courses where I had a substantially better time than Jeff did. Otherwise, it seemed like they were always within like a half a second of each other. Uh, but, you know, he would shoot it and have five yeah. Charlies, and I would have three, or he'd have, you know, four Charlies and a Delta, and I'd have three Charlies or something. So I was I was chipping away the points there. Um, once Once we got through about, seven stages eight stages into the match uh we got to that one stage that had a bunch it was a 22 round stage where it's basically like a 10 round position and then essentially another 12 round position on the other end and jeff broke it down into three shooting positions so i opted to go the more aggressive plan and you you told me i was dubbed to shoot 10 to a 10 yeah because basically um like Three of the targets were open and all the other targets were partialed up. Yeah. So I went with the far more aggressive plan there and shot 10, two and 10. Cause basically that was the first stage I, I was pushing on trying to make up some lost uh, space. 
And I figured that was the best way to do it. It was a little riskier because I had essentially one makeup shot on each end of the stage. Uh, it didn't bite me. I didn't get as much as I like, though, because I had a little bit of trigger freeze on the two, and I was shooting it moving, so I didn't have the gun loaded and ready when I got into the second position. So I didn't gain much on him there. I, I beat him slightly on the stage. Um, farther on, though, in the match, I think probably what was the most interesting thing was um, I had a stage that I had to reshoot two times. And the reason I want to talk about it is I think uh, reshoots are not something you encounter a lot. And you always hear people like, oh, the reshoots never go as good as the original stage or any of that stuff. And I think it's very important to approach reshoots correctly. So I'll kind of mention how it went. Uh, first first run was really good. I think it would have, if it wouldn't have been an overall stage win, it would have been very close. Like it was, it was very good. So after I shot an activator and they had a cheap little like aluminum Chinese carabiner hooking it up that broke. So I had to reshoot. So I was pretty early in the stack, so I had a lot of time. So I went back, loaded my mags, and then what's important there is is I did, they're like, you want to go next? Nope, I'll go last. So put plenty of time in there, and then reapproach the stage as a new stage. Like essentially run through your visualization. Ugh. Visualize the entire stage again. Uh, treat it like a fresh stage. Don't don't take off what you just did. Obviously, you know the, you already have the plan. You know it's good, but you need to go over it again and treat it as a new stage. Uh, the reshoot went pretty well. The only thing that was any different in the first run was I had a round that like bounced forward on the mag when I was going to load the gun, so I lost a little bit of time on the first load, but not much. And I get to the end, uh, shoot the two activators. I, again, I'm still at a pretty good time there. Um, one of the activators didn't go off again. Uh, I think it was set wrong. The ROs must not have checked it. Uh, and, and what kind of made that one a little tougher was I was the last shooter. So outside of somebody needing to reshoot the stage or shoot the stage for the first time from the day before, the uh, RM had to shoot the stage. I didn't have much time. So I grabbed my extra set of mags. They keep my bag that already loaded and visualize the stage again. And, and I think uh, I, I certainly messed up a little bit on that is I think I should have took some more time because when I watched the videos, I just, I wasn't as fast. Like uh, I was moving slower. Uh, plan went well. I've lost quite a bit of time on the first two runs. A little bit of that was just uh, on the two mini popper activators. I, I had a makeup shot on one of them. So it threw the timing off. Um, but the good part there is, is by treating it like a new stage, visual, uh, visualizing it again, is none of the runs were that different. Like if any of those would have been the first run on the stage, I would have not been upset with him. There was no train wreck, no major issues. It was just a little different. Like I would expect three runs on a practice stage at practice to be a little bit different. Um, 
I certainly would have loved to have the first one though for the points, but I I got Jeff a little bit there, not much. So when we go into the last stage, I figured we were probably about five or six points apart. I think we actually ended up being about 10 or 12. Uh, shot both of them really well. They were little speed courses. Both loads went well. I shot all alphas on both of them. Uh, unfortunately, at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough. Uh, but I think it's important to take the positive from the match. So it's easy to think about the, you know, oh, what if it's it's two and a half points, like any mistake anywhere. And that's certainly accurate. But I think the better way to view it is, is I was certainly there in the mix in the competition and a little bit more refinement on skills can make that difference up. So thinking of it from a like, oh, this mistake or that mistake caused the difference, I don't think it's the right view. I think it's saying, you know, very competitive. You put yourself in the position enough. One of those times the uh the two point difference is gonna go in your favor. But it, it's it was certainly fun having such a close match the whole day. I think we finished up, I think we had 0.57 seconds difference in our times. Yeah. So it was it was very close. Yeah, that was crazy for the whole day. That part was fun. So knowing, I mean, like, so we were tracking the scores and we weren't, I mean, we weren't doing it totally properly. Like we didn't know exactly. Cause I think, I mean, I thought sasquatch going into like the last stage or the last two stages i thought he had a slight lead i thought he was maybe up three to five points and it's hard to estimate him because they didn't post scores the day before so i couldn't input my scores in my phone as i went to have a better idea i was just kind of estimating like oh this stage is uh 155 points uh you know jeff got a half hit factor on me he's got roughly this many points or right Right. So we didn't we didn't know exactly what it was, but I'm curious if like how much thinking of where you were in the match affected how you shot and do you wish you hadn't have known or like do you think you would have shot any differently? This is for we can let Jeff answer first. I mean, I probably would have rather just not known anything personally. I uh yeah, I just I don't know. I seem to do better not knowing, just shooting. But it's it's something I want to be good at. So I'll probably, you know, I'll try. I won't avoid doing it again, like avoid tallying up scores. But it's not something I really enjoy doing right now. I don't. I don't enjoy the stress that it adds to the shooting. But so how do you? I mean, you said yeah. you you would rather not know. How do you think that had like a negative impact? I mean, because like even if you weren't really watching scores, unless you just didn't watch Jared shoot at all, you would have had to have known, okay, we're pretty close, right? Yeah. Just yeah. even if you were just a just a general observation, you would have known that. But yeah. So, but knowing as much as close as you did, like, how do you think that affected your shooting? It just made me shoot a bit more careful and maybe just uh it kind of shift my my focus away uh like when i when i'm not thinking about that i'm i'm much more focused in on what i need to do in this stage to make it a good stage and i was more thinking 
just like have a good run, like overall, just have a good run, have a solid run. And like when, I, when I'm not thinking about, you know, that pressure, I'm more focused on what do I need to do to make this a great run? Uh, what do I need? What are the little things I can do to make this a great run? So I, I don't know. I just felt like my, my focus was shifted and uh, it was just distracting from, from me. I'm not saying I would have shot any better, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. So you feel like it almost took you out of a process-based thinking into a results-based thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. My thoughts on it are at any at any big match, you're going to know the scores, whether you want to know them or not. Like if you, if you've, if you've been playing the game for a little while, either you're going to kind of have an idea of where the scores are or somebody's going to tell you, especially if you're shooting well. Like, you're not going to avoid it. You need to get comfortable knowing the scores and then be able to just, like, put them out of your mind when you're on the stage making your plan and shooting the stage. I think the advantage of being able to be a little more comfortable with them, though, is is they will give you the freedom to kind of have an idea if you if you need to be more aggressive on your stage plan on this one, kind of like, like I was talking about the one stage, like it was certainly, it wasn't an opportunity to make up a ton of points. It had a, a fairly significant risk factor. Like it could have easily led to a mic or a standing load or something, but having a good idea where the scores were, I was pretty confident that if I messed the stage up, I wasn't going to be any worse position than I was in. And if it went well, it, it could have been enough to push me over the lead. So it didn't quite go that well, but it could have. So it, it allowed me to to kind of take a calculated risk there. Um, but you just, like, knowing the scores, I had an idea where they were when we finished the stage we were shooting on. But by the time we walked over the next stage, I was not thinking about the scores. I was looking at the stage and, and approaching how I was going to shoot it. Okay, so, I mean, that that brings up the very last stage. Because you like, I mean, we were joking at the front of the podcast. Okay, raw time wins and all this and that. And you guys both said, "Yeah, y'all kind of shot to because you knew it was like you knew the race was tight and you kind of shot not to screw up." If you had not been looking at, I mean, like, so say Jeff still shot the exact same way he had Sasquatch. If you had not been looking at scores at all, do you think you would have shot that stage differently? I think had I not looked at scores, I probably would have shot a little more conservatively. So knowing the scores, I, I certainly was being as aggressive as I could on the stage, but being aggressive does not mean out of control. So I was certainly like, uh, there was two targets with a, a no shoot in the middle of them. So basically you had the A zones on both sides of it. One of me had like three quarters of the A zone. One, you had the whole A zone. I certainly shot those targets a little faster. So it was a little less, uh, attention to the sites than I would, if that had been the first stage of the day or halfway through the day, but I wasn't shooting them out of control. I I was shooting them in a more risky manner. So I could have, I could have easily shot two Charlie on one of them or, or clipped a no shoot or something, but it was, it was worth the risk. I was shooting them far closer to what my limits were on it. And the one was really good. Um, The, the one before steel, it wasn't a bad stage. I was just a little slow on the first shot, but I mean, otherwise the stage went well, but I I wouldn't have shot them any, 
I wouldn't have shot them any better not knowing the scores. So it certainly probably would have been a little more conservative on both of them and played a little safer. And, you know, had I been up 10 or 15 points on Jeff, I probably would have shot them a little safer. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from my from my standpoint, whenever, you know, I've been, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't tracking scores like against a competitor at this match. Uh, Cause that would have been, if I had been, it would have just been devastating, but, uh, but <laughs> it, it is, I mean, I think Jeff, I think Jeff kind of hit the nail on the head and that, and that you do like, if you, if you're going to track scores, you need to try to be able to compartmentalize that results based thinking into, into a process based thinking, whether that's, okay, you finish your stage and your competitor finishes their stage and you look at the scores and you figure out where you're at, then it's almost like maybe immediately at that point, go go to the safe area and dry fire. Like just so you get get back into, okay, what do I need to do to be shooting well? Think about what your next stage is if you've walked the stages ahead of time and and just get start back into that process of of what is what is a good result at. Cause I I, th- I think the best thing that you can do is to shoot as if you have no idea what the score is basically mm-hmm. because if you even if you have i mean like to me it's one of the hardest things to do is to have like a 20 or 30 point lead like with two stages left and it's like oh i don't want to i don't need to throw a mic here i don't want to i don't want to lose this stage i don't want to lose the match so i'm going to i'm going to shoot conservatively but then how like but i only want to hit that i want to hit 85% instead of 92% like being able to find that gear and do that perfectly and then not have a screw up uh, I think that's for most people, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know, certainly I think being in the lead is probably harder than being behind. Yeah. I, I mean, you, 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 the pressure's on you. Um, and I think that's why, I mean, I think that's why Jeff has been as successful in his career as he is. Cause Jeff and I talked about this a little bit. I mean, Jeff is not the fastest or most fundamentally solid shooter out there. Jeff is is faster than you think. Yeah, but he's not. I mean, I I don't think Jeff would disagree with anything I've said at this point. I mean, because we've talked about it. But but Jeff's strength is he doesn't screw like he doesn't go make the big mistake. He doesn't go to that stage two and have two mics. Uh, He you know, he he gets through it. Not that he doesn't ever have any mistakes. I'm not saying that. But Jeff is really good about when the pressure's on like just not screwing up uh and there's there is a lot of validity to that like just wait for the other person to screw up and a lot of people in this sport do that well kind of like jeff was talking about uh when he was seeing our stages between each other too you know talking about screwing up a big part of production is it's not just how fast you shoot but it is critical that you shoot good points and it's that's on the other side yeah. of it is, well, letting Jeff screw up there a little bit too. And you know, he'd go through and shoot four or five Charlies on the stage, and then I'd shoot three. And maybe the time was very similar, but shooting the points is absolutely critical when you're shooting in minor division. Yeah. Like you, you can't, you're going to have a, unless the match is just crazy difficult, you're going to have a hard time being competitive if you're not shooting over 90% of the points. Yeah. And I got I to say, that is something that 
I'm still adjusting to because as far as uh, like the Alpha Charlie Delta count that I had at this match, I'm I'm betting like if you went and tallied it up, it's it's superior to what I've shot for the last three three years. Uh, but I've been shooting major, uh, so I was probably shooting better than I've ever shot before. But you know, it's still not on par for what it needs to be for this division. But yeah, I mean that's something that I'm gonna have to work on for sure. Finding that balance between speed and accuracy, and you know, I was I had a little free time at work today, so I was looking. Uh, our first matchup was last year. We shot Area Four together, and you know, Jeff was. Yeah. Like Jeff's time was competitive with the winners, like within a few seconds. I think he was maybe like 10 or 11 seconds or something behind the winner, but he was within six seconds of second and third place. But he shot way less points than they did. Yeah. So it's certainly find that balance. Um, I do think something helped me is uh, I shot Old Fort Shootout the weekend before. So I shot limited there as well with my production gun and high cap mags. It had been a while since I shot anything high cap. And getting some opportunity to shoot where you're not loading all the time, I think paid some dividends. I felt like I was uh, on the stuff where I was moving without loading between positions to shoot again at this match. I felt like I executed those things far better. Specifically, the stage I had to reshoot a bunch of times. had quite a bit of moving without loading in it. And I thought I shot that portion of the stage extremely well. So it's something I'm probably going to bring into my training. It's not something I do a lot is moving without loading. I haven't been doing it shooting low cap. I think it's probably a little more important than I've been thinking. Uh, but otherwise, so like my reloads and stuff are all good. So that's some stuff I've been really focused on in training. So it's been... I'm I'm liking the results I'm seeing so far into the year, especially as little as I've shot compared to what I traditionally do by this time of year. And I'm I'm feeling pretty good getting ready for, for nationals. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're do do really good at nationals, man. If you shoot like you did at this match, I think you're gonna do great at nationals. So I'm excited. But Important thing is that I won. So. That's true. Jeff did win. Uh, I was just the gonna say, yeah, the important thing is that I, that I won, and I said I was going to win. So yeah, that's 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 the important thing. I was both happy and disappointed because I I absolutely wanted to beat Jeff down, but you, you I'm happy when my when my friend does well. I just don't want him to do quite as well as me. Just maybe like a little bit less well. That's fair. But I, I was happy for him for having a good match. I just wish he would have, you know, made a mistake somewhere for me in there. He tried. <laughs> uh, so I'll just give a real quick recap on my match. Uh, mine was, I mean, it was probably the roughest start to a season that I've almost ever had. Like my first, I don't know how many, I think I had at least six or seven unplanned standing loads uh at this match um so that was that was that was cool <laughs> i i felt like i did do a decent job trying to stay semi positive through through all like in the past i would have uh just been absolutely miserable to be around and i i mean maybe i was 
most what somewhat unsufferable to be around. I don't know, but I tried not to be. So it was it was just tough. And the 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 truth of it is is like I just got the yips on steel. Like that's just like there's just no way. Like I don't you don't want it. Like if you're a golfer or whatever, like you don't ever talk about having the yips, right? But like I had the like there was a lot of uh distance shooting on steel here and i just lost i just had zero confidence in that and like i just got the yips and i just missed in fairness you did have a little bit of bad luck on steel too like you got I mean, you that, got popper yeah i mean twice. i had yes that that did happen <laughs> the on same mini match. popper and a, a big popper uh shooting major caliber um that did that did happen um yeah and that's probably been, i mean it's probably been about three i think it's been three years at least since that's happened to me, but we got it twice in this match, so maybe I'm good for another three years. Which that's what I'm gonna hope. I'm hoping I'm good. For, yeah, maybe. <laughs> good maybe for I'm six good for years six now. years. Um, you know that is. I mean, that is what it is. Like that's just like that's a huge bummer. Like that's almost just that's part of our sport right now, right? Like like our popper calibration process isn't great. At the same time, there's not. Like there are ways to fix it. I think there. Are, I think there are ways maybe to fix that. But it also like there. Are, there's the ways to fix it don't come without consequences, right? So I mean, it's just somewhat is part of our sport, and that's. I just it got me this. It got me at this match. Um, but that I don't. I really don't get that frustrated about. It. It's like I did my part, uh, and the props just kind of failed. So the the good the good news is is I sh- had sh- I shot very few rounds coming into this match, and I actually felt like the paper that we had at this match I shot pretty well on, and that and I say that not necessarily from a result standpoint, but from the from what I was seeing from behind the gun, uh, and that I was able to make the sights be predictable on paper. They were they were moving up and down in a predictable manner, and so that was that that was a that's a big goal of mine to get fixed for this year. It's been a goal for a couple of years to get fixed, and I was actually able to do that at this match pretty well. Uh, so I was happy with that. I've made kind of some adjustments in dry fire and what I'm paying attention to in that, and then what I'm paying attention to in live fire a little bit. Uh, so that was that was good. You get you get like five stages in this match, and it's just terrible, and you start getting really frustrated. But at the same time, you leave the match, and I've got a pretty solid idea of what I need to uh fix before nationals so that's that's the match served its purpose in that that manner for me so that so that leads me to my question for next question for you guys is coming away from this match what is like the one what's the thing you did best but then also what's the thing like what is the thing that you are taking away that okay i need to i need to fix this before only really national i don't for me nationals is my next match i don't know if that's y'all's next match but so before nationals, what do you walk away from this match? Okay, I got to get this straightened out and fixed. Same. Like for me, it wasn't really like anything big. Like not one thing. I mean, it were all like my accuracy and stuff was good. Um, I did have trouble on the on the skunk targets, so I'll certainly shoot some tight partials and stuff at a little bit longer range. But that's not something I'm going to devote a ton of time to. It's more a build of confidence in it type of thing. Shoot a few times, make sure I'm confident there. But kind of, I'm going to keep building on something that went well that I think will also pay dividends. And that's doing more 
moving between my shooting positions in practice and training without reloading the gun. So I think that's something that I've really lacked on lately. And then also I had a couple of draws that weren't real great. So I'm going to kind of focus it on draws the same way I have been reloads and probably I'll back off the reloads a little bit, but I'll still work on them. But that'll be something I'll work on a lot in dry fire here in the next couple of weeks. The gun handling and partials, always, always good things to be confident on. Jeff, what about you? So from watching a couple of the, the videos that I had that uh, Jared took of me, I just noticed a couple of things that I got uh, very lax in, things that I was doing good at the end of last year that I did really terrible at this match. And two of those things were keeping an aggressive stance and staying low and keeping the gun up. Uh, I did both those things pretty terribly at this match in my videos, uh, standing up in positions, shooting, and then trying to drop back down and take off, and standing up in corners and then running and then standing back up and shooting again. Uh, yeah, I did all those things pretty terribly in the videos, as well as pulling the gun down and then popping it back up and then standing up and then shooting and then dropping down and pulling the gun down and running and standing up and pulling the gun up. Yeah, just just things that really eat up time, right? So I did all those things terrible. And I kind of think uh, something that Jared said earlier about shooting uh, limited and how that kind of helped him kind of feel a better flow through the stage, I guess. I think I might try that. I might try to shoot like a club match and just shoot limited and see see how that goes. So, but yeah, those, those are my two things really is uh, just kind of, kind of relearn or refocus on things that I was doing doing well last year, kind of retraining them back in, you know. I mean, it's still really early in the season, which is tough for Nationals being so early. You don't you don't have a ton of time to to get back to where you were uh as far as getting everything, you know, hooking and popping, but that's probably what I'm going to be looking at pretty close. You know, I do want to point something out to West I'm about limited uh, shooting limited and what I think it helped. And that I, outside of my very first year shooting and shooting a couple of single stack nationals first thing in the year, like most of my shooting time had been in high cap division, specifically limited in carry optics. So it was something I'd already been doing is that when I switched to shooting low cap full time that I'd got away from. So it wasn't, I wasn't trying, I wouldn't say it was like learning a new skill or anything. It was more of a case of reminding me to do things that I knew how to do. Like basically practice something that I knew how to do just to keep it in your toolbox, keep it in your mind. Yeah. Well, that, I think that is one thing that, you know, as far as staying aggressive and keeping the gun up, if, if you don't have to reload as much, you, you can think about doing that more. Uh, so I may try to combine that in, even even with my live fire, just yeah. load up the twenty round mag and and shoot and move and shoot and move and not think about loading for a little bit. Yep, yeah. you talking about getting the gun up is part of the reason why I've been working on uh, reload so hard early on this year. Is that like during the off season, looking back at some old match videos and stuff, like reloads are important in production. You don't have to be slamming like point eight reloads to be competitive, but you need to be able to load the gun in a timely manner to have it ready for the next position. In last year, I just, I seem to have way too many times where 
I'd get to position two or three in the stage, and the mag wasn't in the gun yet. And it's not huge, but if in the course of an entire match, if I if I've lost three or four easy seconds by just not having the gun loaded and ready, like it, it's a very severe unscored penalty at the end of the day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that can hurt real bad. What about you, Jeremy? Uh, me is just is getting confidence on steel. Uh, I mean, I, I want to keep working towards uh, what I've been doing with paper, but I feel like that's that's moving in a positive direction. And I think probably what I've I, I think what I've been doing in practice with a lot of really short, I mean, fifty to seventy five round practice sessions. Uh, I've been posting some like my cold runs have been what I've been taking video of and posting those. And they haven't been, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I'm going out and like trying to put a, get a blazing run and something look good, looks good on Instagram. Most of them don't look good on Instagram, quite frankly, but I think it's, but I think that was helpful, but I've been, I've only had, I've had like one or two poppers up that I kind of, you know, I'll shoot like a couple pieces of paper and then go shoot like one popper, right? It wasn't any sort of arrays of steel or anything like that. So I'm going to add in a few drills of, of kind of you know, two close paper and then I've got to shoot three plates at 20 yards and I have to hit them. Like it's like, it's all like it forced myself to slow down and be patient because that's for me, that's where the, the miss is mo a lot often in not being confident enough to be patient enough. If that makes sense, like it's like I rush it, but my rush is almost because of a lack of confidence uh, in that, like, just being taking the time is going to be fast enough. I feel I rush it uh, and and I need to have more confidence. No, just getting a really good solid sight picture and taking the time for, for whatever the press calls for is the right way to do it. And some of four just forced some of that in my practice session to try to get, get a little bit more confidence on, on some of those further steel. I like it. Yeah. You know, when you, when you're training, when you're training for steel, do you always use actual steel? Uh, not always. I mean, going like going back like ten years, uh, I used to do a lot of time putting up uh, gluing paper plates. Like you get a adhesive spray, uh, aerosol adhesive spray, and like you can just like glue paper plates to to targets and stuff real easy. Um, and so I used to do that quite a lot in the past. I, I like using paper plates. Not all the time, but some of the time, purely for the standpoint of, is there? There's no audible feedback. Yeah. So it's 100. percent You knowing what has happened tells you whether or not you hit that plate. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's something maybe to consider or look at or uh, think about maybe using in your training a little bit, specifically if you're shooting, if you're simulating farther steel. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I like I said, I've done that quite a bit in the past, and it's. That's definitely a helpful one uh, to have in the bag. And 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 uh, in all honesty, I mean, I do think this year the the lack of like that is something I need more, just more rounds on. Like I don't think I can go out and fix it with with some fifty round practice sessions. Maybe, uh, but I, I feel like that's one that I need to to hammer through some drills uh, and and spend some actual live fire shooting on. Okay, so that kind of that kind of we kind of cover most of our our matches and stuff like that. 
What did you guys think about the uh, the match itself? Before I just throw that, before I just throw that question out there like that, I'll just give my opinion. Um, this match was, I think there were there was the. I think the base for a lot of really good stages was there. Um, it was it was really kind of fascinating. Like there were several stages where uh, when I was going through the walkthrough, I would walk through places because it's like there's walls set up that you assume they're going to make you go there to shoot a target. And then you get there and there's you don't have to go there. It's like there were there were several places where there were walls in place that had no need to be there. Like they didn't they didn't actually do anything. The the match was I thought from a round count like was there a single thirty two round stage? I think there was one or two. Like, yeah, like maybe yeah maybe one or two. Um, so I thought the I thought the round counts on stuff like was was great. Uh, you know, and I don't know if that was a ammo shortage thing. I because I don't I haven't been to this match in the past. I don't know if that was an ammo shortage thing or if that was just uh that's how they normally do it. But I thought the round counts were were good. Like there was, there was never a point where it was like, man, I'm sick of shooting 30 round stages. There's also wasn't like, man, I'd like to shoot some more rounds. It was, I, I will say that it was, it was prop heavy in the standpoint. There were, I believe four plate racks and a Texas star. Am I, am I, is that right? Three or four. I remember three, three plate racks and a Texas star. There was at least four plate racks. There were two on the one stage. There was one with like the octagonal plates, which was our last stage down below. And then there was another plate rack on, uh, I'm blanking on which stage it was, but there was another plate rack. Two regular plate racks and the one with the, the one that was just the odd shaped plates. I think you're wrong, but <laughs> I, I'm just gonna, like, plate racks have no business being in level two matches. Uh, I don't know how the others, other squads did with them, but it caused several issues with our squad. Uh, I think Jared, didn't you have, didn't you have a reshoot because of the plate rack? I know I, I had a reshoot because of the plate rack. I, I had a reshoot on the first stage and another squad mate also had a reshoot on the first stage for plates falling without being hit. Yeah. Um, I had that as well on a, on a separate stage. Like I just. No, there is. There were four plate racks. I can promise. I know that there were. Four, yeah, there were four plate racks. Anyway, uh, so like, so that's something I think. Like this, like it caused it caused undue stress for the ROs. Uh, it doesn't count as a fourth plate rack if you shot at every plate twice. Well, <laughs> if that was the case, then there would have been like six plate racks. But uh, uh, I. Like it just adds undue stress on the ROs trying to run stages. Uh, it slows your match down, um, and like I would, I would highly encourage this match in the future. Like, don't put plate racks uh, in your in your big matches. Like, it's just it's just a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Any level two or level three, in my opinion, they just they just cause problems. You guys agree with that or no? Yeah, generally yeah, plate racks cause a lot of reshoots. Um and and that was yeah. almost a that was kind of a general like there were just issues with steel at this match. Um and it wasn't like the steel were in good shape, but there were lots we had lots of reshoots. Uh there we I just our squad in general had lots of reshoots. Uh, and well, it wasn't like t targets being taped early. 
one thing that I've seen that helps steel a lot be a little more consistent is when it's attached to like a larger sheet of plywood to give it a larger base. So it's not pounding itself into the ground as bad. Uh, obviously I think right now that probably wouldn't be feasible because I think plywood's like 50 bucks yeah. a sheet right now or something. Yeah, stupid. that can't happen right now, but, um, so I, I, I don't, I don't know what the, I mean, they, they had, they had the, they had the steel that I think actually works really well. And it has, you, you lean a steel back and you push a little tab at the bottom. You, you swing that up and then let the popper lean forward. And as soon as that poppers push back at all, that tab swings down and, and it drops. But we still had, we still, like, I got, I kind of got uh, screwed on one of those or two of those. And so the other side of those tabs, though, is if they're set too high, is that they can prevent the steel from falling. Because basically, the higher it is, the farther back it starts to steal. So the steel doesn't have as far to come off the tab for it to rotate out of the way. And with that, the tab has to rotate farther. So I imagine at least one of yours was because the, the tab wasn't set right. And some of that might be is like all of us are going to be pretty familiar with that steel because we've all shot it a lot at matches. And we use a bunch of it up here at our locals. Uh, but if you're not familiar with that steel, you wouldn't know that. And it will certainly cause problems. Yeah. So, I mean, like there, I think there could be a that, – that was the thing I want to bring out. There could be an easy fix for that and just putting a uh, putting a stop as far as how how high that tab can go up. It really only needs to go up high enough to hold it in place, um, and that really wouldn't take long to to install those. Just, I mean, weld those in. They're not going to take a lot of abuse. Uh, that would that that could be done pretty easily, and I think that could maybe maybe fix some of those things. So, like I said, they had good steel, but there were problems with steel uh, at this match, and and there was a lot of steel at this match. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give two. Two critiques on the match. Uh, pick two that I think would be be good if the people running the match heard them. So, um, so my first one is um, inform your RO, ROs more. So the ROs when they do their their initial reading and everything, uh, you know, you're getting people from from different parts of the country, like Jared said, we know how to set these types of steel because we shoot them around here, but they're, they're different everywhere. Uh, poppers, you know, there's freaking 10 different kinds of ways to set a popper. Um, so I think it's important for your ROs to, if it has the tab like that, like that is a super common, uh, soup, something super common that is messed up when setting those poppers. Like you see people put those tabs up too high, like, Tell your ROs that during their the 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 reading to inform the shooters of how to properly set the popper. That alone would have diverted and got rid of quite a few like reshoots and popper fuckings. Okay, um, so that alone would have would have made the the match run quite a bit smoother. Is just if the ROs would tell the shooters how to properly set the steel that is on their stage. Because it could be different poppers in different parts of the country. Just make sure all your shooters know how to set the steel properly on your stage. And then uh, also with the the activators, same thing. Make sure. I know ROs mostly, most of the time they do this. But at this match they did uh, have a problem doing this. The ROs were not telling the shooters how to properly set the activators. So that's something I think would be really good. 
for them to do with this match is make sure your ROs are telling the shooters how to properly set up the equipment on their stage each time. Well, something that, that helps on setting up uh, like an activator stick on a swinger or something is you paint the two ends of it a different color so that it matches the base and the top. So, you know, the, the bottom's orange, the top's white. So that, I mean, even, even a dumb old guy like me can walk up there and figure out which way it goes is a, is a good help as well. And something to consider for your matches. Even if you're putting a stage together at your local match, it's a good idea to paint it so that people know which way it goes. Yeah, that's a good point. So my second critique is stages that are too hard. Okay. Um, stage 12, which, uh, you know, it was the friggin' 25 yard zebras. You had, you had steel that was 25, mini popper steel at 25 yards through hardcover steel plates. So basically like you had to hit the steel or you had to hit the popper or you hit steel hardcover. And it was it was crossways as well through these steel, just extremely difficult shooting. Uh, I'm not saying I couldn't shoot it because I did and finished the stage just fine. But there were over 20, 20 to twenty five people at this match with a hit factor below one on those stages, and that's that's not good. That's not what you want. Uh, you don't want you don't want. Uh, you don't want people zero in your stages. That's a, that's a good indicator that your stage is too difficult, in my opinion. Um, so, not that I didn't like this stage, I kind of liked it. But for people of all skill levels, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was. It was a little uh, overly difficult. You don't necessarily need need stages that difficult. But I mean, that's a matter of opinion. You can make them that difficult if you want to. I just think having over twenty people with a hit factor below one is not necessarily a good good thing. That's it. Like that stage had like that's that stage could have been just a more interesting stage. Like if you turn those the back zebra like if all the like you had what six poppers at twenty to twenty five yards, five of them were mini poppers, one big popper, I think, on that stage. So you've got you've got a precision shooting element on that stage. Like all the other like all the other paper you had, I don't know, seven to ten yard headshots, uh, some target couple targets with the half that was hardcover, like half in the target, and then you had the like the 24, 25 yard zebra targets. Um to me, it, like it would have been a little bit more interesting stage letting the paper just be all open. Like the, you've got the precision that you've got to have with that with the with the steel, like you're forcing people to aim with that, that maybe, you know, having open paper would have made it a little bit more interesting. That, that I, I can agree with that. The the thing I would piggyback on, on the, on the stage design, cause that's, that's kind of the one thing that I would, that I think could maybe be a little bit better at this match. Like, like I was saying, they had a really good basis for good stages, but, and, and I don't know if the match director may, it's, it, I would guess the match director shoots PCC. That's just PCC or open or something, uh, just based on the stages. Because a lot of the stages, the best way to shoot it, like it would be like a 25-round stage. There were there were technically four or five shooting positions, but the best way to shoot it was just two positions. You'd go somewhere and you could see 12 to 14 shots in one spot and you could see 10 or 12 shots in another spot. And so you just shoot the whole stage in two spots. Um, 
that could have very easily, like you could have very easily kind of added like a couple barrels and made it to where you had to do that. I liked that this these matches or the stages, they were fairly open that you had options. Like there were there were then there were so, there were a couple really good stages at this match. Um, the one that Jared had to reshoot three times, I thought was actually a really good stage. Well, that was a that was a very interesting stage with multiple ways to shoot it, and it had a ton of movement. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't like BS movement where you were running ten yards to shoot another target. Like you ran a long ways, but you were constantly shooting. Like right. There was only there's probably only a ten yard gap of movement where you didn't have to shoot anything, but there was a target that you could take either leaving where your last position you were in or halfway through into the next position, or I think you could even take it almost at the very end as you came into the final position. Yeah. And there were several legit ways to run that stage. Like it, Mm -hmm. like it was, there was no, like you have to do it this way. You had several legit ways to do it uh, that worked and you could just kind of figure out how you wanted to do it. And, and they were good options in the manner of there wasn't, you know, sometimes the stage will have an option where it's like, yeah, you can do it these two ways, but this way is just off a quick look. This way is clearly going to be substantially faster. But you walked up to that stage and it was kind of, you had to decide which target you were going to take off the start first and which side of like, it basically had walls down the center that you could weave in and out of. You had to decide basically which side you wanted to go down or if you wanted to change sides through the stage. Yeah. Uh, so like that was that was an example of a great stage uh, that had good options. That was the stage where I think the the ROs like we got super. That was our second to last bay, and and that was where the the ROs kind of got I think over their heads running that stage. Um, but but there were lots of other stages where yeah it was just you kind of just went to one spot and you shot like six or eight targets. Uh, and you could, yeah, you could shoot them in other areas, but if you had the rounds, it didn't make sense to shoot them in the other areas. So I think, I think there's a few tweaks that could be made um, to make like it could be a great match. Like it, I, I mean, I thought it was a, a decent match, um, and, and without really all that much more effort, I think it could be a great match. Uh, the facility's good. Uh, I mean, I, you know, Springfield has plenty of places to stay, plenty of options to eat at. Uh, so that was all good. But that's false. The Chick-fil-A by my hotel that I was anticipating and looking forward to was closed for remodel on Saturday morning. Yeah. So uh, if you go with Sasquatch and like, just don't let Sasquatch pick where you eat because his only requirement for where, where you go eat is if it's close to his hotel and it's convenient for him. That's his <laughs> only requirement. Hey, hey, when you're going to pound two pitchers of margaritas, you want to be walking distance from the hotel. <laughs> i mean that worked well for you uh the i will say that okay there was one really weird thing about this match uh that i i don't think i've experienced it before and so we were walking the stages on friday and we were we were looking at a stage we 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 ended up not being able to look at a stage because there were there was like three people on it that were not part of the match at all. And they were just there like shooting on the plate rack. Uh, and like, obviously like they weren't USPSA shooters. They were just kind of general public. So like just walking around with their guns in their hands, like not holstered, not doing anything. Uh, and that was, that was actually going on during the match too. And other 
like there were some other bays that weren't being used at the match. And I remember kind of walking by and it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure I just got swept. Uh, like, like it looks like the guns at slide lock, <laughs> yeah. but I still kind of got swept. Um, and like, that's not like, that's not super great. Uh, so like that was something that was kind of weird. And I, I feel like if you're going to host a major match, you need to make it clear that at least on the base for a hundred percent on the base that are being used for the match, those are closed to the public. Uh, so that was like, that was something that I haven't actually experienced. I don't think at a major match before that, uh, like USSA often has public bays open when they're having a major match. Cause they've got like what, 30, 40 bays. I don't know. They've got a ton. Um, but I've never had like the general public shooting on a state on a stage where I'm trying, like was trying to like walk it the day before I, or I haven't experienced that. So that, that might be something that I don't know, like, whoever's i don't know how people check in at that range or if they've got an email says i have no idea if that's a private range public range i don't know uh but maybe that could be something that could be uh fixed in the future yeah yeah i want to touch back on on something you mentioned too so where you were talking about like some things where you could run back and shoot like eight targets from one position Uh, and this is more coming from uh when you're designing a stage or something like it's important to not look at it from this is how I think I'm going to shoot it. It's good to take a more open view and try to see it from the view of someone who just walked up to it and didn't build it, how they might want to shoot it. Cause it's really easy when you're, when you're building stage, especially if you're newer to setting up your local matches or something to like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to shoot this target from right here and this target from right here and this one over here. And then you move six feet down on the stage. You're like, Oh, all three of those targets are visible from here. And you, and someone can eliminate, you know, three positions you had in your mind. So if you want to force someone somewhere, it's a good idea to make sure you have something that forces them there. Don't like think, Oh, I'm going to have a lean here and then leave a wide opening for that target in another position. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, like I said, I like that the stage design oftentimes didn't totally force you like mo- a lot of targets you could shoot in multiple locations. Uh, so it didn't always force you into a spot. Um, but yeah, the, I, USPA say shooters are going to game it. Like they don't care what the, de- the designer's intention was. <laughs> They're going to figure out how they want to shoot it and they will blow your stage up as soon as they possibly can. And it, and it, to me, it was a little bit like, I think you were right, Jared, in that like the, the designer maybe didn't look at some of that stuff because there were a couple places where it wasn't super advantageous to shoot it there, but there were several like pass through options where it's like, okay, if I lean around this wall, yeah, I'm going to shoot through uh, both targets, which, you know, at a local match, like I expect, I kind of expect that it's hard to a local match. It's hard to completely vet all your stages all the time. And so like, I will kind of be considerate of that. Like at a a local match, I'm going to, if I see something like that, where I'm going to have a pass through, I'll purposely not shoot that plan because I'm not gonna. I don't want to blow up the person's stage, right? At a level two, I'd rather have the options of shooting it however I see it, um, and not not having to worry about that. But overall, it was a good match, uh, a good experience. I'm glad we were able to get a match together. I am disappointed in Sasquatch. Um, he let me down, and I lost a lot of money <laughs> to Jeff on this deal. Um, I tried to give him more margaritas. He quit drinking. That is true. Jeff is, when it comes to margaritas, Jeff is about as, he's a lightweight. There is no doubt about that. Dude, when it comes to anything, 
when it comes to any alcohol, I'm a lightweight. Well, that's good to know. Uh, also of note, if you guys remembered from nationals last year, I drove the whole way. Jeff was fresh. He just relaxed and chilled. Like I picked him up on this match was the exact same way. I picked him up on the way. He just chilled, basically slept in the car. Um, we, uh, we almost died because Jeff is terrible at like Jeff, like he has an iPhone that ha- like can give you exact directions for it. And he still is like incapable of navigating. And so we're driving down the interstate and Jeff can't figure it out. So I'm like trying to put directions in on my phone. I look up and there's like a semi, like both lanes are like shut down, like with semis in front of us, like 50 yards in front of us. And luckily the shoulder was clear. So we hit the brakes and we went over in the shoulder and uh, we didn't die. There was like a semi that was like, I was with Jeff. I think Jeff said, it's like, I'm surprised they don't have the highway shut down. Cause it was like just in flames, like, Blowing across yeah. both lanes, which we just there buzzed was past. A it. semi on the shoulder engulfed in flames, and they're just letting yeah, traffic it was cool. cruise on by. It's a shame your navigator wasn't paying attention to help you. It, it would have been. It would have been nice. Uh, you know, of course, we get through there, and I mean, I mean, I did. It didn't like. It might have got my heart rate up like ten beats a minute. Like ten minutes later, Jeff is still like almost. He's still like freaking out. He needs an inhaler, dude. I don't even think I need to defend myself here. Everybody knows you're full of shit. Uh, we also, the other the other part about it is about, I don't know, 30 miles later, we're driving down and uh, there was like a, it was an Escalade or a Suburban on the side of the road. And you could see somebody, as we were far away, you could see somebody bending over like beside it. We're kind of like, what's, what's going on? And then we get closer and uh, my guess is this, some dad made his wife or, or his like, teenage daughter like she needed to go to the bathroom and he she just said you can get out on the side of the road we just got there there's just this this butt hanging down and she's she's doing her business like man you it was in oklahoma wasn't it yes it was in oklahoma uh without a doubt it was in oklahoma <laughs> the crazy thing was like Whatever. five ten minutes later there was an exit with a gas station that they could have pulled off uh or they could have just opened both doors and and hid behind that so literally the entire world can't see you but <laughs> but the, I guess they didn't care. Uh, so that was that was an interesting interesting start to our match. Uh, also, yeah, again, Jeff, if you take him to a match, um, he won't do anything. He'll he will lounge and let you be tired and stressed out. Uh, Jeff, are you, you're shooting production nationals this year, right? I am. So that's unfortunate. None of us will be shooting together at production nationals this year. No, no, nope. we're all on different squads. Yeah. It is so, but it is a three day match. Yeah, it's that's a three day match. I think I want to bring my golf clubs and, and maybe go play golf in the off after on the afternoons when we're off. Mm. Be fun. Jeff's also not allowed to pick the hotel for that match. <laughs> so I picked out the hotel, good hotel, good location. Send Jeff a link to it, and he books somewhere else, <laughs> and ask him why. And it's because this other one. Was ten dollars cheaper, but not ten dollars cheaper than I paid. Ten dollars cheaper when he tried to book it because he waited to book it. Come on, Jeff. remember I, we he, thought you were booking the hotel. That actually I, is a fair statement. Well, I'm sorry you guys can't comprehend text messages. <laughs> the The hotel this time was was semi decent. It wasn't it wasn't the worst, but Jeff did 
Jeff did acknowledge to me that even after our fiasco in Talladega last year, he booked this hotel without looking at a single review on it. All he did was like, oh, it's got four stars. It's cheap. Book it. Uh, so I felt fortunate that it was at least halfway reasonable. When when you're spending hundreds of dollars to go to a match, it's always good to try to save 10 or $15 on your hotel. Absolutely. Exactly. Smartest area to exactly. save a few bucks. Yep. Yes. I agree, 100%. All right, guys. That was a good one. This is where we pinch it off. <laughs>